Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Recorded live. Well, welcome back here to the false finish with uh, Ace Alexander. I do have a co-host. I'll introduce him in just a minute. Um, if you've heard our episode zero, which was, public, which was published last week, um, you kind of know a little bit about us. But since we didn't market that one as much as we're going to market the rest of our podcast going forward here at the false finish, um, we're just going to give a little introduction of ourselves um, in the opening here. Um, so a little bit about the show is that uh, it's a podcast about wrestling for wrestling fans. It's a little bit of inside information into the world of professional wrestling. Um, A lot of times we're going to be having a conversation back and forth, just two guys who really enjoy professional wrestling, have uh, been a part of the professional wrestling world for a long time, and uh, we're going to talk about Raw every week. So you can find our podcast. We'll be recording it live every Thursday night. Um, or I'm sorry, excuse me, every Tuesday night, and uh, we'll, we'll be doing that between uh, 8 and 10 o'clock every Tuesday um, after we had a chance to review Raw and kind of take some notes on our own part. Uh, we will also be doing, prior to that recording, anytime there's a uh, pay-per-view by the WWF or WWE, we will be... Um, we will be also reviewing that and giving a, a rundown. We um, every every closing go home episode of Raw prior to a pay per view, we'll be doing a little rundown as far as um, um, what our picks for that pay per view are, the build up, the suspense, all that stuff. So um, you know one of the one of the uh, perspectives we take here at the uh, False Finish about professional wrestling and the WWE more specifically, and since that's the focal point of this show right now, um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about that. Um, WrestleMania was just on Sunday. That was two days ago. Here it was a it was it's the granddaddy of them all. It's professional wrestling's peak show, and. Uh, Everyone tunes in. If you're a wrestling fan, it's one of the shows you tune into every single year. A lot of people don't watch pay-per-views, sometimes don't even watch the Raws building up to it, but they show up, they buy the tickets, or they buy the pay-per-views, or watch it on the network. And, uh, you know, it brings a lot of people back into the the fold at that moment. So I always look at this uh, WrestleMania as the Super Bowl of professional wrestling. I look at it as the end of the season. So with that said... In this episode tonight, myself and my co-host Mark, we will be uh, we'll be reviewing um, our results for the uh, the pay-per-view, what we saw the pay-per-view as, some pros and cons, and where we see the pro wrestling uh, in WWE going for the next 12 months since it's a new season. And uh, then uh, we'll be picking up and doing another podcast again later, doing our uh, our Raw rundown, false finish episode, reviewing Raw from yesterday. So uh, a little bit about myself, um, now that I've given you a little perspective and what the show is about, is uh, I've been part of the business uh, 25 years. I'm only 30 years old. A lot of people go, what are you talking about? And, and I always think to myself, you know, I'm a fan. I was a fan at five. Uh, the first time I ever watched professional wrestling that I have a distinct memory in my mind is is when, when the Hulkster 
and Macho Man Randy Savage were wrestling on a Saturday night uh, main event, and uh, I, I still don't remember the exact team they were fighting, but um, the Twin Towers. Uh, thank, thank you, Mark. The Twin Towers and uh, Big Boss Man <laughs> and Ak- Akeem. Is was it? Was it Akeem? Big Boss Man and Akeem, the African Dream. Yes, thank it was. You. So it was those two, and one of the individuals ran to the ropes and knocked Elizabeth down. She got hurt. Hogan helped take her to the back locker room, and the Macho yeah, Man Randy you. Savage. What, what ended up happening there, dude? was Savage got thrown into her. Yeah, so Savage ran into her, and uh, I remember that memory because I wanted to watch that show, and it was one of the shows that I had never gotten an opportunity to fully watch because I only watched that tad, that tidbit at the end because my dad had messed up the whole time, and there's still some built-up resentment, as you can obviously <laughs> tell. But uh, I, I watched that, that chunk at the end, and, you know, the... The, the uh, opportunity to see the mega powers back then and the professional wrestling, it just engulfed me. You know, that was when I was five. And like I said, I've been part of the business for 25 years ever since. Uh, I'm not going to lie. There's times where I've had my peaks and valleys where I've stepped away, not watched every week. But um, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of times where I just get sucked back in, and you know I have an 11 year old son at home. He watches it with me every week now, so you know I really truly enjoy just as a fan watching professional wrestling. I actually trained as a professional wrestler for um, on and off I would say about uh, eight to ten years, and uh, in doing so I traveled all over the Northeast um, here in, um, in 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 the United States, and uh, I wrestled countless matches, some against Tony Atlas, King Kong Bundy. I, I was involved in some stuff with the Patriot, you know, some guys you know from the day when I was watching wrestling. When you say the, the Patriot, are you talking, you talking Del Wilkes or are you talking the guy who took up the mask after he sold the gimmick? The one that took the mask up, yep. I think that it was That was Tom. Sincere, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, his name's Tom something. I can't, can't, can't think of the yeah, last name. Yeah, I can't name. think of what his real name is either. I just, I just know that he was Salvatore Sincere, which was just... I don't even know what the point of that gimmick was. But. Yeah, you know, but but that was my time, and I uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I wrestled tag team, um, wrestling. Uh, I had a partner. Uh, it was a blast. We uh, we did it for a lot. We did it for years when when we had the opportunity. Uh, since had to uh, step away, and you know I, I haven't been able to get myself back into that side of the business again. But you know I, I kept hearing these uh, podcasts, and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts the last few months. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Jr. Taz. Uh, Colt Cabana, all these guys, and you know, Colt Cabana really sucked me in. Uh, it was the CM Punk interview that he did last year, and having that opportunity to hear that uh, candid interview where it wasn't a shoot interview so much as it was just an interview, two guys kind of talking, sucked me in, wanted me to make me part of the business again, but I realized that I have commitments that won't allow me to get back in the ring and do what I love, so what I figured out I can do is I reached out to my buddy, um, and, and I'll introduce him in just a moment, uh, to act as my co-host to this show, and uh, I, I, I just decided I want to talk about wrestling. I enjoy doing it. I do it every pay-per-view when we get to guy, when the guys get together. So I, I bring Mark in, uh, Mark the Smart Mark, and uh, I'm going to let him explain himself and introduce himself a little bit. <laughs> well, it's not too much to me. I've been watching since I was four, although for the longest time I didn't have cable. There's a whole story behind that. We'll get into it one of these days. Uh, started watching wrestling 1984, January, just a, like two months out from my birthday, a little less actually. Hulk Hogan wins the world title for the first time. From the Iron Sheik, I'm pretty much hooked on that, and you know, I've been I've been watching as much as I can for the longest time. Only had access through uh, video cassette. Eventually, we got cable in 1993, 94, something like that, and I've been watching, uh, you know, for the most part, pretty regularly ever since. Uh, did some work as a referee. Uh, got a chance to work a couple of shows. If I had the chance, I'd, I'd definitely get back into it. Uh, never got the chance to really get in there as a wrestler, although, again, if I had had the chance, absolutely would have taken it. 
uh, been working primarily on, on writing some books, including uh, one wrestling story and a couple of other stories. And uh, I do some fan fiction on the side, and I know a lot of people out there are laughing their asses off at that, but let's face the facts here. You want to laugh at the idea of somebody who writes like straight-up books, also writing fan fiction. Let's be honest here. The woman who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey started that out as a fanfic for Twilight. So basically you went from one horrible movie to a horrible one horrible book to a horrible movie to another horrible book to another horrible movie. Yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of this stuff, but again, you gotta give a, you got to give her her due. She took, a, she took a fanfic, turned it into a book series, and actually made a, a crap ton of money doing it. So, you know, all the more power to her. And if you think it's so funny, hey, you go out and try and do it. I at least managed to write at least one book and get it published. How many people can't even manage to get the book written? And let me tell you, folks, as of right now, you have just been bookmarked. Nice, Mark. So, let me ask you something, Ace. You, we, we get off of uh, Sunday night, WrestleMania's come and gone. Well, let's, uh, let's take a shot at this and, uh, and see how we did, because we, we talked about this in Episode Zero, our predictions for who was going to win what. So let, let, let's, uh, let's tell the folks how we did and see who actually won WrestleMania. Okay, uh, let's 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 look at that, Mark. So, um, we'll just start with the first match here. And uh, as we all know, there was the pre-show. They opened up, and um, they actually moved uh, the second match onto the pre-show, which was the Andre Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And uh, but before that, they actually had the tag team championship match there. So uh, we know we had the Usos, the Los Mastadors, Matadors, Matadors. the I, New Day. I, you're and, you're uh, gonna keep doing that every time I, we do one I'm, of these shows, yeah. aren't you? I probably am, and you're going to correct me, too. But uh, then they had the New Day. They had Tyson, Kidd, and Cesaro, which I did correctly. You got it right! I want to tell you that. Yeah, I've been practicing the last two days. So, uh, (laughs) you know, there was the match. We saw Jay get taken out pretty early in the match. I I don't know if you noticed that. Um, But he got hurt, and... uh, I can never tell the two of them apart that well, so... I think he was the one that was actually hurt prior to the match, and from what I heard is that they were going to put him in the match anyways because they figured eight guys, he could kind of sit off to the side and... Even though he wouldn't be, uh, you know, active, he would still be there. So he would give that, you know, picture. Didn't really work out that way, did it? No, they had to get him out of there because he ended up getting banged up again. But um, the back and forth match where all the teams had a fair amount of um, activity and they, you know, got an opportunity to get all their moves off. Uh, I enjoyed it as a fan of tag team wrestling. So we saw that um, they even involved um, some of the um, some of the uh, the The managers. Yeah, the cornermen. So you know, you had. yeah, right. I mean, you, you had to do El Torito was going to get involved right. because it's, El it's Torito. pretty much a Yep, El Torito, Natalia got involved. I even think uh, Woods got involved at one point, just kind of taking a bump, I think. And then they yeah. had, uh, and then they had. Um, I always forget the girl's name there that's with the Usos. Naomi. But, uh, that, that's, Naomi. Uh, that's Jimmy's yep. wife, I think, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I think it, it's Jimmy. Yeah, or Jimmy's and, and wife. I'm not sure. Now that's and that's a legit thing too because. Normally they would have made a bigger deal out of that if that was just something that was done as part of a storyline. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a legit marriage. So congratulations yeah, yeah. to them. Yeah, I'm confident that is. And so you know, when push came to shove, they they all got involved, and it was a very entertaining match. And one of the things well, I again, thought, you're talking like a fatal four way tag match, basically. Yep, that's what you it know, was. And you had like another four people around the ring. I mean, you almost had to know this was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was, I mean, they had to pad out the match somehow. I mean, it was like it, it started at seven and. It was supposed to be like a four-hour show. They had to pad out the time somehow. Yeah, well, that, this match actually kicked off at 6 because they did the pre-show. And this was bumped on the pre-show. So if you, if you oh, were watching oh, yeah, the right, time, right, yeah. it was at the pre-show. But all in all, the thing about this match that really impressed me is every one of them was doing every big spot you could imagine. I didn't know how else they were going to do the rest of the show. 
Yeah. Um, you know, Tyson Kidd and Cesaro got the win, which, to my pleasure, occurred, but against fact, my... I think that was your pick, wasn't it? No, that was your it pick? was... No, we it both was, picked the Usos, actually. We, we both picked the Usos, but I, so uh, nobody got I, the my heart there. was rooting for him, so we both washed on that one. But, um, you know, all in all, it was a great match. I think it moved the tag teams forward a little bit, um, gave hey, everybody who, who an opportunity. Is, who was rooting for who there? I'm sorry? You said somebody had their heart set on somebody here for that? I, I had my heart set on Kid and Cesaro winning. That's who I wanted to win. Right, yeah, but, but I thought the Usos, Usos yeah, win. yeah. I thought they would win just because the being the Usos and, you know, the heritage there with uh, Roman Reigns yeah, going up yeah. later. So, you know, that yeah. was that match. I thought it was a good match. Um, I definitely think they, they raised the bar, and hopefully the WWE gets behind this tag team division that they have because there's so many good teams out there right now that uh, they have a really good opportunity to move forward with. And as, you know, we'll talk later about Raw, they, they definitely do. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, now the the next match we had on the card was the pre-show. It was another pre-show match. And, uh, yeah, under the second, giant memorial battle royal. It's amazing how quickly that ended up going to a pre-show thing. I mean... Yeah, I was surprised. That's the second, yeah. second annual battle royal. I mean, they've been doing battle royals for years on the pre-show for different gimmicks and things like that. So I, I guess that's probably why they just decided, let's just call the Under the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. We'll do one big one at WrestleMania 30, and then for the rest of the time... It'll be like our pre-show battle royal because we got nothing else to call it. Yeah, I was really surprised though that they moved it this way. And you know, going into it, um, what who did I have here? Uh, I think I had Sandow. Had, uh, I had Sandow winning it and Miz. With backup. Miz is the runner-up. Yep, and you had Sandow and you had Rowan as the backup. Eric Rowan as the runner-up. Yeah, it, it yep. ended up being uh, it ended up being the big show, which um, which which in some ways kind of made a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, you, just just from the comparisons, because if you look at how he started out over in WCW, he looked like a, a very young Andre when he first started out. So yeah, you know the, and, the thing about the battle royal here is I always get I always get concerned because they're throwing so many people in there, and you wonder who they're trying to get over, um, who they're because you don't you know they they have to give certain people roles in that battle royal to actually get over. I think so, yeah, they, and I, I think at this point. Uh, Curtis Axel, his role was comedic relief and almost immediate elimination. Oh, he goes, depressed me. This is my match, and it's like, yeah. and he gets thrown out by pretty much everybody at once. Yep, all twenty-nine other guys, or however many other guys <laughs> yeah, were in that ring. Hell with you. <laughs> yep, just tossed him out. We got to see the debut of uh, I, I cannot pronounce his name, but he's the kid from the NXT, Atami, Atame. Uh, he's a kid from. Uh, He's a kid from Japan, and he was up in NXT, and he won a tournament from NXT over WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, that sounds like it was probably Okada that was, because no, they had just signed somebody from, because uh, uh, a couple of months ago, Hogan made a trip over to Japan, and they signed somebody from, it was either it was either New Japan or All Japan, and I thought it was Okada. And I know he was he was working uh, NXT for a while. It's, if, it's if Kenta, somebody knew. It's Kenta Kobayashi, Kenta, I guess. thank you, thank you. Yeah. So that's his official name, but um, his his gimmick name at WWE here is the Hide. It's Hidu Atami, and uh, he won the uh, he won against the Finn Balor in a uh, in a tournament. There was a four four man tournament on WrestleMania weekend, and he actually won it. So he got a special little push into that match, and uh, he got eliminated relatively fast. Didn't get to do too much. So I was a little surprised that they didn't at least let him have more of a showing, but um. What I did, what I did like, is the Ascension. They got a little rub in there. I thought they they looked big and strong for a little while, um, but then of well, course they, the, they actually were the ones who got to eliminate Mark Henry, and yep. then got dumped by Ryback. Yeah. So. Yep. Um, then there was uh, 
you know, you had the new the new day was ganging up on uh, Big Show, and what was a disappointment to me which is, is that which is smart. I mean, you go after the biggest guy in the ring. I mean, that yeah. that's been a tactic for like how many years in in the Royal Rumble and and whatever battle royal you got. Yep. Uh, one of the one of the things I note in that was that you know it was disappointing to me is I always look forward to the battle royals, Royal Rumbles with the Kofi in it because he always does something kind of impressive. You know, you look back to last year's Royal Rumble and he does oh, this God, stump where like he that. flies over the turnbuckle, lands on the stairs, yeah, and barely yeah. keeps and, his feet I, I, off the ground. Yeah, so, and then of course the year before that he's using the the chair to hop around. Yep. It's always something, you know. It was before him. It but again, was, that, uh, that's the Rumble. That that's the Rumble, and he didn't really do anything that major this year, did he? This year in the Royal Rumble, he did the Royal Rumble was horrible in my opinion this year. But he, when he when he went out, he uh, the the rosebuds for uh, Rose the rosebuds there, caught him. They caught him and then tossed him back in. So it was <laughs> it was kind of uh, stupid. No, no wonder Adam Rose doesn't want them around anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so they tossed him back in. <laughs> then he got immediately eliminated. But in this match, he didn't have any like special high flying crazy. Oh, again, it's WrestleMania. They don't really need it for that, especially if it's the pre-show. No, yeah, and maybe that was the case this year. But uh, one of the things I found interesting was that um, the Miz and Mizdow, You kind of knew they were blown. You know, that was not was going to over. I caught this last week. I thought they were going to have to. They, they were going to have to break because at some point, I mean, th- this storyline was getting hilariously awesome. And you had to know they were going to have them break at some point. And I thought it was going to happen at Mania, and it did. So Yeah. Now, one of the things I ask you, do you consider Mizdow turning at the at WrestleMania, or do you think he had already turned prior to that? Like, in he official... was already a face. I mean, the fans think pretty so? much... He was never really a heel once, once they started realizing just how funny the guy was. Because I mean, it was literally like... It, it, was, a, it, was, a, uh, it was almost like... If you look at the way the double turn happened with Austin and Brett at WrestleMania 13, yep. with this, the fans just kind of turned him face just by the nature of the fact that they would not boo the guy. Right, because his gimmick was so amusing to people. And, yeah. I, I felt he, like he was he hilarious, still, and yet he could back it up. So. But he was still showing up with Miz every week. He was still following his responsibilities to the Miz to attempt to help him win while he was of still course, cost, but, He was costing a match. So technically, was, he was, was still happening. A, he was still that a was huge. Happening, fans you got, were you got Miz turning into the tyrannical boss, which is why it was perfect. Yeah. Because you already had the turn already there, and then Miz is just starting to play into it. And now they've got the feud actually pretty decently set up. Uh, we'll talk about it when we talk about Raw, but yeah. I mean, they really got it set up perfectly. And I, and I think that was more a case of a natural outgrowth of the fact that the whole thing was so damned hilarious. The fans could not help. Yeah, I, I agree to some degree, but I, I feel like hit last night was, or I'm sorry, I feel like WrestleMania was the moment, and when he turned, and when he actually, when he actually slapped, when he went went to town on the Miz and tossed him over the ropes, I thought that was great. I think it was the perfect moment to turn him. Couldn't happen any better. But one thing I will point out is, you well, know, again, I still say he was already turned. This was just them going. Now we're actually going to have the feud that you've known okay. is coming for the last few weeks. He's already a face. I guess, yeah, to some degree, but I, I feel like it was still like it was the moment where it finally happened. Like you knew it was happening leading up to it, because even if you look back to like you said, the double turn, Brett Stone Cold from you know WrestleMania 13, I think it was, um, when they did that, um, people were already cheering for Steve Austin. Exactly, and pe- same people were already same booing. Thing. People were already booing Bret Hart, but they didn't actually flip until that Mania moment, you know. So this kind, I kind of look at this I as the moment Miz did his official Miz flip. Was Miz was already turning into the tyrannical boss because the the stunt double, as he was then at the time, was already outshining him. So again, it, it's 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 kind of like 
he was already a face, but they weren't officially acknowledging that there was a story there that they were going to start following until WrestleMania. They were already turned. Okay. Well, Miz was already a heel, and, and, and Miz Dow was brought in as a heel. And at first, you know, fans didn't really care for him, but then they just started like, dude, this guy's hilarious. So. Yeah, and that's what it came down to. It was just a whole gimmick there. But uh, the one of the things I will point out, and uh, you may not have caught this, but what happened was, um, do you know Alex Riley? Do you remember his association with uh, The Miz? With The Miz, yeah. Right. I, I, I was surprised. I, I was wondering, why didn't he just go after The Miz the entire show? I mean, I haven't seen the guy in over a year, really, in the ring. It's been a while, and yeah. He, He's been hosting NXT. He's been he's had a rundown in NXT recently, and uh, he's actually been feuding with, I believe, Kevin Steen, the NXT champion right now. Oh wow, yeah. So he's but had I this, didn't, really. I, I didn't know that yeah. uh, that he was developmental. I, I thought he was still working for um, what was it, Ring of Honor? When did he get signed? Kevin Steen. He's now Kevin Owens. He's been there for pff, almost a year, and because he's oh, the wow. champion now, he just beat Sami Zayn for the title at their last big quarterly event. But, yeah, I've um, seen the belt. I don't like it. Yeah, no, it's ugly. It's atrocious. It is ugly. But then again, when you consider the fact that the current World Heavyweight Championship is actually somehow uglier than the spinner belt, and I thought the spinner belt was yeah. ugly as sin. Yeah. I mean, seriously, they need to bring back the classic winged eagle belt. But I'm good with that. I'd even go back to the universal title that Brock used to stroll around with, because that was better than this. I've never even but, seen that one. I've never even uh, heard of that one. Oh, the Universal title from when Brock and when Chris Jericho and all those Triple H had it for a little while. I think even Hogan held it. But it was oh, that the undisputed belt. Yeah, oh, I know yeah, I'm sorry. About, yeah. Not Universal, undisputed. Yeah. Yeah. But um, well, it was no longer undisputed because when he when he went off the SmackDown, they 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 reinstituted they the World Heavyweight it. title. But you're right. They were still using that belt. Yeah, that was still a gorgeous belt. Yeah. But yeah, so. the thing that I thought interesting about Alex Riley was that the Mizdow and Miz uh, actually eliminated Riley together, and they took care of him to, um, on their own, which I found interesting because Mizdow still being associated to the Miz, not officially turning, helping eliminate his old protege. That, that's kind of interesting. I just yeah, thought it was a little I, I interesting piece that. there that they might be able to uh, play off of in the future. Yeah. But, um, neither one of us got that one right. We did yeah, because Big Show up. ended up picking that one up, and then of course, then then we actually go to the actual show itself and and yep. that's where they really they, they really did turn this up a notch i mean yeah. even even for a wrestlemania i will admit that this was probably one of their better shows although there was one dark spot we'll get to that when we get to it yeah definitely one of the things yeah. i found interesting about the intercontinental ladder match which opened the show was i didn't expect that i felt like it was too big of a match to open with yeah you would think, i mean because yeah, it's like seven guys you know in, in this is like why i said you're, you're you're turning up the heat right off the bat yeah. oh my god and they did and they did, and even if you noticed uh, during the pre-show on the video, there was a lot of seats that were empty prior to the show starting. With the and then as soon even as the match Royal. starts, everybody fills in the seats. Well, yeah, as soon as they finished the little promo video cut scenes and stuff, you, they cut back to the arena, and the, it's just filled. Everybody's in their seats. They're done getting the hot. Well, I guess that's popcorn. because they were still they were still filling the arena during the pre-match shows because that's what happened to WrestleMania 29. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. But, uh, yeah, it was a long day. It was good. But so the Intercontinental title match, you got all seven of those guys in there. I know you picked um, – who was it that you picked there? I'm my first pick my was, was Ambrose Dean Ambrose, and, and my backup was Daniel Bryan, who and, did win. So I got yep. that one just because he was my backup pick. Yep, so we're giving one yeah. point for each win we get. So you're plus and right two now. Right now. <laughs> you're at plus two, and I'm at plus one. So, uh, yep, I'm I'm not doing so well. <laughs> But, uh, I was at plus yeah. one. I mean, at this point, we, we neither of us had the Usos. 
Oh, actually, I'm sorry. I thought we had nobody that right. won that. Oh. You know, no, nobody oh. won those first two uh, things. Now, this was the first time we had yeah. a winning pick, and then this yep. was, of course, you know, was Daniel Bryan. And you know, and, and again, let's let's give props where it's due. Everybody in that match basically busted their ass and probably broke their backs a couple of times. I mean, you, you saw how crazy that match got. I mean, and again, I mean, yeah. I, I thought it was odd that it was a seven-man match. I mean. We, we talked about the idea they might throw in an eighth guy. I think you had suggested Sheamus, which, and we'll, we'll get to him yep. uh, when we talk about Monday Night Raw. It's like, oh, my God, that was yeah. hilarious. Yeah, this, but, this uh, match was, was good. It was a phenomenal match, and congratulations. He's a grand slammer now. Yeah, so for only time I, I don't know how many one, people so actually he, know that, but now he, he is now uh, one of the few grand slam champions yeah. in WWE. He's been the world champion. He's been the world heavyweight champion after it was unified, so he's held both of those belts technically. He's tag been team. U.S. champion, he's been tag champion, and, and of course now he's the Intercontinental champion. And I do love the, the return of the classic Intercontinental belt. I'm not sure if I oh, approve yeah, of no. the Scratch logo, although I understand why it's there. Yep. And I, I to this day, I, I as much as I applaud the Panda F, yeah, I, I call them the Panda F. I know what they call themselves. I know what they stole from wrestling fans, and, and that's why I won't ever call them uh, by the letters that they stole. That's but, funny. I mean, you know, honestly, you know, again, I, I, I missed the block lettering and everything and, oh, yeah, and, but and all, but that's just it, that it, it's a gorgeous belt either way, and I'm glad to feel. see it back. And, yeah. So. But that match was really good. Um, like you said, a lot of the guys took some major bumps. The uh, one oh, yeah. bump that uh, was really, really intense is, uh, well, first, before I talk about that, R-Truth, I feel like I didn't see him hardly during the match. He did very minimal, which makes me wonder if there's something wrong with him, and they were just having him play out this whole thing because he added a whole character that was amusing to the situation leading up to the match. Right, R-Truth. I didn't, I didn't feel like he was really impactful. And him going, oh, I'm scared of heights. I'm like, how are you going to win the match then? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he wasn't hugely involved, but all the other guys were, you know, they were in it the whole time doing it. I at one point thought Luke Harper might get the win just because he was dominating, which led to the point where Luke Harper ended up grabbing Dean Ambrose. And, and powerbombing power through another through ladder. The, it's like, oh, the my ladder, God. Which then put him, it was the way the, the ladder was, uh, you know, it was, um, it was position, so it was hanging over the barricade to the ring, and when they powerbombed oh, through it, ouch, yeah, he went yeah, straight like, through it. And and, and then tr- remember what happens the next night on Raw, and we'll get to that in a little bit, with, with, yeah. with oh my god. Yeah, so seeing, so, I mean, seeing uh, him do that. You know, was, let, let, let's call it like it is. Dean Ambrose is a damn tank. Oh yeah, he's a workhorse right there. He's the bumps between yeah, I mean, him. That, that's a guy who's gonna, and, if, if he stays healthy, he's going to be big in a couple of years if he stays healthy. Oh, yeah, the the bumps that Dean and Dolph both took during that match was really intense. It was oh, really yeah. enjoyable. Um, I enjoyed it. But in the end, uh, they had Dolph and uh, Brian climbing a ladder, and then they did this crazy thing I'd never seen them do before. Just, just multiple headbutts. Yeah, and, and they did it disgusting. again the next night on Raw, too. I mean, yeah. it's a minor spoils for Raw. It's like, that, that, I was like, dude, it's crazy enough to do it once. But then they, got, they, got, they took that up to 11 the next night. Yeah, this yeah, that was, was so screwy weird, but it's like I loved it. Yep. So, no, I, I did too. And then Daniel Bryan grabbing the title was a good uh, opportunity for the face to get one of the straps there. So, oh my, yeah, you know, yeah, that was a good match. And of course, that takes then, us right into um, that takes us into Seth Rollins and uh, Randy Orton. And now we were talking about this last week as to whether or not the match would go all that long or not. And I, I forget the exact length of the match, but it was a decent match, no matter what you, w- yeah. what you take on there. I mean. I guess my thought on that match was I didn't expect it to go long if they planned to use Seth later. So 
so I was, uh, you know, but it, then, it was then a long you remember, They still had like about an hour and a half for him to recoup, so I, I think oh, that's more probably than why that. they just... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, had, I mean, quite a bit yeah, of time, they had at but, least that, you know. So, which is why I'm saying they, that's probably why they said, you know, go go as long as you feel you need to, because we still got at least you know two and a half, three hours before we'll need you again. And I, I think that was their talk on it, and I think that was how you know they justified it. And, and it, it's fine because the match itself was was one of the better matches I've seen in a long while. Yeah, there was uh, there was two points in this. There are three moves spots in this match that I really enjoyed. The first one, there was a moment where Orton was or Seth Rollins was running off the ropes, and Orton went to do his uh, power slam there, that quick snap power slam that he does when he runs yep, past yep. him. And uh, uh, he actually went for it, but R- Rollins stepped back and Orton bumped down. Rollins made it look like he was going to go for the curb stomp quick, but instead, Randy Orton came back up full circle and grabbed him in that power slam and still hit it, which I thought was really, really cool. I had not seen him do anything like that before. That reminds um, me, strangely enough, of, um, I don't know if you remember this match from WrestleMania Five. Uh, it was Owen Hart wrestling as the Blue Blazer versus Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. And I forget who it was. I think it was, uh, I think it was Owen. Um, he tried to go for a hip toss, and I think, I think it was... Um, Perfect, I think, was hip-tossing him. He actually landed on his feet from the hip-toss. They went through, like, another two or three moves, and then Perfect still got the hip-toss he was looking for originally anyway. And, and that's and kind of that. what that reminds me of. That, that storytelling piece in the match is great because, you know, they didn't get away from it. I thought that was really cool how they moved it and just switched it. And it wasn't like it wasn't like a blown spot where sometimes you see him go back through the motion. But it was just it, – it flew. It was so fluid and it looked good. There was another right. match. Well, I, I think that was basically what they were trying to do. There was, like – this wasn't a blown spot. This was they probably had 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 picked that out as an idea oh, to I do agree. ahead of time because they, otherwise it wouldn't have made sense. Yep. One of the other things I thought um, that was interesting was, uh, you know, he does that uh, hangman's DDT where he drapes people over the ropes and does the DDT. Well, he gets yeah. I was surprised he, they came up with a name like that, but okay, it works. Yeah, yeah. He ended up getting Mercury and Noble on the apron and slammed the DDT them right to the uh, the floor, which I thought was good because they involved them, but only enough to uh, to get them messed up and let those pieces go down. Um, and then the other piece there, the third piece was obviously the finish, which uh, gave Randy Orton the win, which we both we both picked uh, Orton winning this match. So uh, that's plus one for each of us. But in the yep, end, yep. the the finish. I'm, was, oh, I'm was still great. in the lead, so yeah. But, yeah, no, but the finish there was amazing. You watch, oh, you oh, watch God, Orton yeah. down. Looks like he's gonna get the curb stomp from Rollins. Rollins goes up and he just shoots in the air like he's trying to reach for it. He could have probably reached the Intercontinental title hanging from the top of the ring earlier in the night. <laughs> Yep, and, uh, and he gets caught with the RKO. Yeah. Oh, out yeah. of nowhere! It was uh, it was a, it was a great match. I love that that move that Randy does is just so it can happen at any moment, any time. Which right is one of the reasons why that move ended up being so popular, especially once uh, I mean, let's let's face it, a lot of people don't know it. It, it started out as the Ace Crusher, it was done by uh, John Laurinaitis back when he was Johnny Ace. Diamond okay. Dallas Page pretty much mastered it over in WCW, and it really was just a move you could hit from anywhere. That's what and I now, know. I mean, Randy pretty much owns it. You know, I mean, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a lot of people out there still doing it, but Randy really owns it, at least in the United States. Oh, and that, that of course, you know, that, that match brings us into the one dark spot of WrestleMania 31. And again, we were talking about this earlier. I really don't know if this was Vince, if this was Trips, but somebody's ego got a little too swelled. And that, of course, brings us to the Triple H Sting match. Now, don't get me wrong; they did a lot of stuff here to try to to try to justify this, to try to save it. But I honestly think no 
no serious fan could look at this and say it was anything other than an ego ploy by Triple H at the very least. Because when all was said and done, you had some great, you know, back and forth. You had the NWO and DX show up, which I thought was really interesting. Because remember, two members of the NWO are big-time friends of Triple H and DX. But at the end of the day, you still ended up with Triple H winning, and it was done in a way that no matter how you look at it, it had to be an ego ploy because everybody knew going into this match Sting had to win just to justify all the stuff they've been doing for the last couple of months, and Triple H just crapped all over it. Yeah, you know, we've both talked about this a little that we both agree. Sting should have won this match, and only for the Absolutely. reason that Triple H, Triple H beats every guy that comes into the WWE, and he beats him senseless. He beat Brock when he first showed up. He beat Sting now when he showed up. He brought Booker T when he showed up. Like They just, you know, they keep continuing to squash guys and just letting Triple H run roughshod all over him, which to me, is, what does that do? Triple H doesn't need it. Triple H is Triple H. He's fine. He doesn't need the win. This is Sting's first WrestleMania moment. Um, he and may never have another one. He may never have another one. last match. Yep, and, and, and the fact that he should have got that, I would have thought, just kind of as a, as a due respect on, you know, Triple H has plenty yeah, of this was, this WrestleMania was, this wins. Was, this, was, this was something that I, I, I said this last week, that if Triple H went over this, it would be the ultimate show of disrespect, because this was the one guy that really, he was the soldier, he was the face of WCW, and on one level, I, I have to wonder, is this Triple H really just being a dick because he could never get anywhere near as popular or over in WCW. They had him in two or three different gimmicks. He could never get anywhere. He gets the WWF. He, you know, he manages to get over, you know, which is fine. But really, what does him going over in this match do for anybody? It doesn't give anything other than this is Triple H's ego or this is Vince's ego. I think it was a, I think it was a mix of both because, let's be honest, Vince, I've said this before, if, he, if he's somebody who's come in from another company, especially if it was somebody coming in from WCW, no matter how long it was between uh, they closed their doors and they came in, he likes to just basically to, to crap all over their, their legacy and, and then say, oh, well, if they made anything of themselves, they, they only did so because they were in my company and I made them. Right. And I think that's what this was. It was either it was either that or it was Triple H or it was both of them because uh, a friend of mine flat out said, "Well, Sting likes putting other people over." Yeah, but the thing is, even he had to know storyline wise, it would make no sense for him to job out to Triple H because let's be honest, Triple H not only did not need this win, he actually needed to lose in order to justify bringing Sting in all together, and I said this last week, if he was going to come in to lose, he should not have come in at all, they could have just left him on the Legends contract, had him come in for the video games, the toys, the comic books, they didn't need him to come in and lose at what was probably going to be his only WrestleMania event. Now, I don't have the WWE Network, I know you do, they were supposed to have done an interview with Sting immediately after Raw last night. I didn't get the chance to see it. Did you see it? Did he actually, did he comment on anything? I mean, was this it for him? I didn't see it, but I did read about it. And what I read about was that it's kind of in the WWE's court. It sounds like Sting could probably go another match or two, but it's all going to be what WWE does with him. But here's the thing. 
So, you know, with all that said, let me talk about a little bit about the NWODX involvement. I thought that was great. It added. It I, added I, I thought it was, it was a surprise shot, yeah, but it's like. Yeah. How, it how added did you justify, to it. It, it how didn't did you actually make. Hall and Nash? Well, it didn't actually make the match any better. It didn't. It, it, no, no, no. It I mean, like, how did you justify them helping out Sting? Yeah. When you consider they were friends with Triple H, and it's publicly known. Right, and well, in the night before, they were all shaking hands and. Right, uh, the Hall you know, of Fame. Yep, the absolutely. Hall of Fame, so. And then. You know that it was amusing. I got a kick out of it. I mean, it wasn't anything I thought was like uh, any major. You know, ad- it didn't need to be done, but I think it helped add a little bit to it. But at I the end the of the other day, part of it was it, this it was came another down shot to... at WCW. Yeah, I yeah. think this was another shot at World Championship Wrestling. This is basically Vince going, "Ha ha! I won the war. Now I'm going to basically, you know, have the the three guys along with Sting." who helped make sure the WCW was able to beat me in the ratings for about a year and a half, and we're going to have them lose in a major match just to screw with the last of WCW's legacy. And again, this is where I think it's an ego trip, whether it's for Vince or Triple H or both, and I do suspect both. I mean, Triple H could come out and say, oh, well, no, Sting want to do it. I really don't believe it, and I'll tell you why. Because I was reading an interview with Alberto Del Rio, who's calling himself uh, Alberto Del... I forget exactly what the what the new Patron. name is going to be. Patron. Patron, yes, thank you. And he mentions in WWE that they really overscript the living hell out of these guys to the point where CM Punk actually ended up getting a lot of notice because he would suppose he would do work shoots, and even backstage supposedly it, it took a lot of guys by surprise because there are so many people out there who are terrified of quote-unquote, reaching for the brass ring, if, if, if you want to use that, that phrase by Vince, because they're terrified of being fired or fined or whatever if they try to make themselves stand out. Yeah. And that's and why if Triple H came out and said this was Sting's, uh, Sting's uh, idea, I would not believe him. If Sting came out and said it, I still wouldn't believe him because I would just assume that's him being a company man and towing the company line to try yeah. to take the heat off of Triple H because he's known for doing crap like this. Yeah, I just don't. I just guess at the end of the day, Triple H winning doesn't help Triple H. Um, it doesn't help Sting. If Sting winning, In fact, if anything, gives, it makes a mockery of Sting. So. Yeah, Sting winning gives Sting the opportunity to do other things. But, you know, even after Sting lost, I'm like, okay, they can move forward. He has another rematch against Triple H. You know, like, that makes sense. Okay, we'll do Triple H. Except Sting. then he shakes hands with Triple H. It's like, what? Exactly. So when they what shook hands, this? it killed everything. It was like, let's just have a, uh, let's have a, what would it, the term for it be? It would be like, let's rock a scrimmage. Room, I guess. Well, no, no, I'm looking at it's Let's have a scrimmage that means nothing, that doesn't do anything, doesn't help anything. And it really did. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. So with that, you know, we, we've kind of beat that horse already, but a, little, a lot of disappointment there because really felt Sting should have walked away with it to help move the I think move the fans thought that too because yeah. yeah but um based on that you know then there was a little promo there they did with Daniel Bryan where he had a whole bunch of the former Intercontinental Champions come in and cut him off and kind of help um, at, remember or remind the fans of the legacy that that Intercontinental title has and it does have a very impressive legacy oh, yeah. yeah so, so you know, in the past, it's kind of always been known from what I've known it to be. You know, you've always had the world heavyweight champion, the WWE champion, whatever it is. The top title has always been your poster boy. You know, but that's the poster boy that could, you know, show up on nighttime TV and sell the 
show or you know the so you're talking your rocks your Steve Austin's your Hogan's you know the machos those guys but then you have the intercontinental title which was always that it was the workhorse it was the guy that's going to show up defend his title every month it was the one that you know the best workers were always trying to get you know I remember hearing an interview with Shawn Michaels he had said that you know when he became the intercontinental title champion the first time he had looked at it like I've got the main belt here this is the one where I'm the best worker and that's why they recognize me as it and there's an interesting point about that I've I've been thinking about that for a while and you remember I mentioned I was not happy with the idea of Brock Lesnar being with the belt the the main belt because anytime he had it especially like in the last year where like you didn't even see the damn thing and then they would constantly have to have Paul Heyman come out and say oh hey don't forget we've got a a world title but the thing is anytime that Lesnar and this is the reason why I don't understand why they don't just have the Intercontinental belt be the top belt because the Intercontinental Championship basically is a world title because it's talking about all the the continents on the planet and you're going out and defending them all. So it's like, okay, so this is your world title for the most times when you've got guys like Brock Lesnar holding the belt because you you might as well not even have a world championship. Just call it the Intercontinental Championship. And then you've got the (coughs) company belt, which is the WWE title because... Uh, Unless you really make that belt mean something, really what you should be seeing showcased a lot more is the Intercontinental belt, the U.S. belt, and the tag belts, and then you have the big WWE champion. Don't even call it the World Championship, just call it the WWE title, because that's the belt that represents the company and not really the World Championship. That's a good point. I like that perspective on it, because that's really what it is. Yeah, I want to see them, you know, make that World title mean something again. With Brock Lesnar, he had the belt. But he wasn't doing a damn thing with it, which is why, I mean, as we'll get onto that match in a little bit later, while I'm not thrilled with what they did, at least now we know the world title is going to suddenly be in the focus again. And I like that because we already got a lot of focus on the Intercontinental belt. We've got a lot of focus on the U.S. title. Now let's see some focus on the world championship and have that belt really earn that that distinction again of being the world championship. Otherwise, you might as well just call it the company title and then just call the Intercontinental Belt your top title. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, so with that, you know, moving on from that little promo they did there with the uh, with the Intercontinental title, they ended up having the Paige and AJ Lee versus Bella Twins uh, uh, women's match, the only women's match of the night. No, no women's title was being defended. And right. uh, just, just looking at it, we have... Um, you know, it was a decent it was women's match. Fair, I it was the standard so. women's match. It wasn't anything I was overly impressed with. Um, you definitely had AJ and Paige, you know, two really solid female wrestlers fighting two women that have been trained to wrestle. And, you know, they're not the greatest at it, but they're not the worst that I've seen in the past either. They've gotten better over the years. But yeah. um, it, it was exactly what you predicted, which was Paige and uh, AJ winning. So, again, they pretty much had to. And otherwise, otherwise, it's like, how do you even justify them even having a feud at this point? Because, again, I mean, the Bellas, Nikki and Bree suddenly being all buddy-buddy after all that storyline that made no sense, they, they've got to have somebody to fight, and it's got to be Paige and AJ, because Naomi and Natalia are too busy beating the living hell out of each other, and, and yeah. all the other so-called divas are over on the TV show on E!, and they don't, they don't even wrestle. Right. So it's like, what, what's the point, you know? Yeah, so, I don't miss yeah, to see I mean, how they move forward with this, with Paige and AJ. Yeah, that's see, standard see fair, and... At least it led us into a into a much better match, I thought, in terms of where it actually will take people, and that was Cena versus Rusev, and I thought 
that match, I, 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 you know, again, so that, that post match, by the way, another, uh, another win on the uh, pick column. And so does this match, actually. This is uh, Cena versus Rusev, and I called it straight up. Cena needed this match. He yeah. really, really needed to win this, and I'm really glad he did. And and I'm very disappointed that he did. I feel like, like well, I get your, your, you, you, you your argument saying it wasn't a clean win. Because yeah. if it, th- there are people who are going to argue, if it weren't for Lana getting up on the ring apron, <laughs> Cena might not have won. Because these two, they yeah. did they did fight each other pretty pretty evenly, and I thought that they really elevated both of these guys. Rusev was basically, he, he was elevated as the monster, the first guy, I think, who's ever broken the STF at that point, who was a heel. I mean, we've seen a couple of faces break it, but a straight-up monster heel. I think that's the first time we've ever seen it done with John Cena. And you know, obviously we have, uh, you know, Cena beating the accolade, which is this like the second time it's ever been beaten. I mean, the first time he technically beat it, but he got nutshotted and put back into it at yeah. Fastlane, but... I mean, I thought it was good because it established Cena is still somebody we can actually take seriously as a threat to a title. And yet, at the same time, you establish Rusev as he really is this utter monster who can go toe to toe with the guy that they've been that they've been presenting as the as the face of the company for the last ten years. And considering how young Rusev is, I mean, he's only like what mid twenties, early thirties. Yeah, he's, he's still got a long way to go. He's got time, but I, I do look at it a little disappointing because I was really rooting for him um, to see him come yeah, out with you the title. Yeah, you wanted because to see Cena tap out and everything, and I, and I, I, I told you why that that would not have worked to do anything get, to help Cena because, if anything, that that would have completely destroyed him, him, him as a character. That I would have destroyed him as a character, great, and it would have destroyed his career. But I also think that Rusev would have benefited from it because having that win, having that over his head, would have been similar to that whole you on the streak situation with Brock and The Undertaker. You know, Except the thing is that we've so, seen Cena lose matches before at WrestleMania. But we've so never that, seen that, that him tap out. And the fact that that's we've never true, seen but the him thing tap is, out. The minute you do that, the minute you do that, you destroy uh, the, the never-give-up gimmick, and you also completely and utterly ruin... John Cena for any title match in the future because at that point if he had lost it literally would have been why are we supposed to take this guy seriously he has not been able to successfully defend or capture a championship for the better part of the last three years and he can barely win a match when there's nothing on the line so why are we supposed to take him seriously if he couldn't beat Rusev at a match where logically he should have which is why it was a good thing they did have him win because number one Rusev had been going for the better part of a year. All streaks got to end. Otherwise, at least if you're talking like a, a constant streak week after week. I'm not talking like like, like the WrestleMania streak because that's like right. once a year. But right. if you're talking like a, a, a weekly thing or even a daily thing is the case with Rusev, I mean, even Goldberg's streak, you, you were going to get bored of it eventually. Goldberg had, had the advantage of the charisma and being, you know, the face. Rusev... Fans were already at the end of their rope with him, especially with that damn Russian flag dropping down, which they really got to stop doing. Because, uh, number one, let, let's be honest, the guy's from Bulgaria, not Russia, at least in terms of storyline. But I can understand why he's doing it. But at the same time, now you, you're, you're just getting people, they're, they're not giving you heel heat. They're giving you X-Pac heat. I, I don't know if you've, remember, if you've ever run across yeah. this term, but yeah, it's, this it's was a term that, you know, yeah, it was basically like, this isn't, you know, boo, we hate you because you're a bad guy. It's like, boo, get the hell off our TV screens. You're boring the living hell out of us. So, you mean, yeah, 
No, I get what this you're is saying. basically go away. This isn't. This isn't. We don't like you because you're a bad guy, and we're giving you the kind of, the kind of response that you that you need. We're giving you the response that says get the hell out. But I don't feel like that's been the case lately. I feel like people have actually been really into the Rusev situation. Um, I think John Cena benefited most from this whole series with Rusev because Rusev well, yeah, was he had over. To, because again, at this point, Cena, Cena was damaged. If he had lost, this would have damaged him beyond all repair. Rusev okay. is not going to be hurt by this because I'm pretty sure they're going to build to a rematch at SummerSlam. And I think that's I where... I sure hope so. Uh, that, that's what I'm thinking they're going to do. I think they're going to turn it into a potentially a best-of-three series where they're going to see possibly Rusev win it back at SummerSlam and then uh, Cena close it out at uh, Survivor Series. Possibly. I, I could see them doing that, honestly. I could see that carrying it through that way. That'd be a nice way to go with it, at least you know to continue through the, the WWE season there. Yeah, absolutely. But with that said, John Cena is your United States champion, and, and not Mark, my, like I said, that, he's you know, not my United AJ States and then champion. Cena, you know, so that's that's now what, man? That's like I'm like You're two at ahead one, of you now. Two, three, four, five, and I've got one. But <laughs> oh I'm my counting, God! I think I'm counting I think the we're gonna have a shutout here. Yeah, you you win. You you definitively yeah. won on this sheet. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So then they went they went from that you know United States title match. Like I said, John Cena is your United States champion. He's not mine. So uh, well, the, uh, I would I would rather at least actually be in the hands of a character who's actually supposed to be American <laughs> and who really needed it than be in the hands of a character who really doesn't need it at this point. I mean, he's he's already been legitimized as a major threat to anybody. In fact, I could see him. Within the next year, possibly becoming a, a major threat to the world title. I hope so because he's a beast in there. He actually he's oh, a, yeah. he's, he's a great he's talent. Changed. But the thing is that they that. needed to end this. They needed to end his undefeated streak somehow. And at this point, Cena really needed a, a big win. So I thought this this worked out for both of them because now, if Rusev wins or loses, it's no longer if they had had him lose to somebody other than a John Cena or a Daniel Bryan or or even a Kane. You know, I mean, they wouldn't be able to take it. They wouldn't be able to take him seriously because he wouldn't have been beaten by anybody who really could have been a credible threat to him. Because let's be honest, I mean, how many matches has he had with poor Jack Swagger, and right. it's come out to nothing. I mean, it needed to be somebody, and Cena was yeah. the only other super patriot character that they had. Yeah, I guess I just, I just still am sour about John Cena beating Bray Wyatt when he was so hot last year for no reason, and uh, when Bray, Bray could have walked away with that win and it would have felt good for Bray, it would have been good for him. John Cena could have still been in the same place he was this year going against Rusev, and it wouldn't have made a difference. But I'm still sour about John Cena. But moving well, on. Well, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hater, but I'm not like an overly big fan. But again, I've seen what Cena can do. When they let him really relax and be himself, again, the doctor of thugonomics, I would love to have seen him go back to that. I want to see him go back to that because the fans loved him as the doctor of thugonomics. Thugonomics. At this point, with the the way he keeps using that little washcloth for never give up, you might as well call him the doctor of thugonomics. He holds it with his thumbs, but... But no, I'd, I'd love to see him go back to the rapper gimmick because you can still be a patriotic rapper. I mean... He, he goes back to that. I think fans are, are are more likely to be more willing to accept him again because he was a little bit more spontaneous. He was hilarious. Again, when he when he went back to the doctor of thugonomics thing to on um, going into WrestleMania 28 on the Rock. I mean, the fans absolutely popped for him. They enjoyed so, him. They enjoyed his yeah. character again. Yeah, I mean, they don't like this this new character because again, I mean, you said it. You know, he he's a Superman thing, and I think the problem is. 
they almost had to turn him into the Superman thing because of New Year's Revolution, because otherwise, how are they going to justify him? Edge, in many ways, was the beginning of the damage to Cena's career. Rock beating him at WrestleMania 28 was, was potentially a crippling blow, but this, I think, is him on the road to recovery. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. But uh, that moves on to, you, you mentioned his name, The Rock. And uh, so next up, they had that Triple H promo with Stephanie, which uh, from all accounts I read, that was because they needed to kill some time leading up to the Bray Wyatt-Undertaker match. Because and this was, again, they, because they, 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 I don't think they, they paced themselves correctly on this. I, well, I think that they put in... They had to kill time for the Bray Wyatt-Undertaker match, from what I've read, is because Bray Wyatt was hurt. He actually had a massive sprained ankle that he hurt in the ring earlier in the day leading up to the show, and he had his leg in a cast leading up to the match, and they were taking care of it. A cast, or or did they just bandage it? Uh, What I read was the term was used cast, and he was in it all day, so they probably just broke it off before the match. I I imagine they wanted to get him sturdy all day so that, you know, I'm sure they were giving him, like, uh, you know, steroid injects in his ankle or something just to kind of mask the pain and stuff. So um, yeah, they went out there, yeah. Triple H and Stephanie, cut that long, boring promo. Um, well, that, that, that's pretty much them in a nutshell, because like any time they come out and start Monday Night Raw, it, it's like a 20-minute promo. It's like, dude, seriously, yeah. is this supposed to be a wrestling show or exactly. a monologue from, from Conan O'Brien? I mean, what, yeah. what, what is this? Yep. Uh, and they've been doing it for three it, years. This is why fans want them to go away. They don't want the authority anymore. They don't want GMs. Just give us some straight-up wrestling. That's why I loved how they started Monday Night Raw this past week. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, the whole thing there. The Rock comes out, cuts the promo. They go back and forth. Stephanie slaps him. They really lights up The Rock. The Rock was going back and forth verbally with them. Steps outside. Ronda Rousey's out there. The you know UFC woman's bantamweight. Yeah, champion. and she's like, well, ha, she's ha, also ha, Rock, post- you'll, never actually, you'll never actually man up and hit a woman. Yep. You know, cause it's like, which, and again, I mean, we talked about this the other night, um, and, and there's no sexism in, bleh, sexism in this, but seriously, if you're going to have a woman put, your hand, put the, her hands on a man in a wrestling environment, most of these people are trained, and even if they're not, I mean, we'll get to this, you know, when we talk about Raw, hand to God, you, if you're going to put your hands on somebody in a wrestling environment, you, you should be prepared to take a hit back. I don't give a damn about this. Oh, well, men shouldn't hit women crap. You're, we're all equal. We're all people. Doesn't matter whether you got a, a pair of X chromosomes or an X and a Y. You put your hands on somebody like that, they should be retaliating because otherwise it just smacks of hypocrisy. Although, again, I love that Ronda Rousey came in and basically Stephanie looked like she was, she was about ready to soil herself. But at the same yep. time, I, w- I would have much rather seen The Rock you know, even if it was just a paintbrusher, I mean, well, well the, the, let's be honest. I mean, again, this is just one of those things. I mean, she was yeah. a wrestler. She still, she, she could probably still go if she, if she got into shape. Yeah, well, the you situation know? there with that whole thing there that I found enjoyable was the fact that The Rock lit up Triple H and laid it down for him, and then Ronda ended up tossing Stephanie off, or she ended up tossing Triple H off with a hip toss, little arm drag thing. And then she uh, put Stephanie in an arm bar, which uh, she's known to break women's arms in like 16 seconds. So the credibility right. there is interesting. But we all know what this was. This was a promo. The Rock showing up. Everybody loves seeing The Rock. But on top of that, it helps sell The Rock. I'll, I'll be honest. The Rock kind of bores me these days. So, it really does. You know, it's like... You're in the minority there. You're in the minority there, though, because... The, yeah, the I am. I mean, I don't get me wrong. There was a time when him. I liked him, but... 
I've kind of gotten bored with him because, yeah, he comes in and he'll light up the he'll light up the arena. But the thing is, we know he's not going to stick around. So why do you keep bringing him back? Because he still brings a little bit of something with him from the attitude I guess, every time I, he shows I'd up. I'd rather if he's going to come back, I want him to come back full time. I mean, he's he's, yeah. he's done his time in Hollywood. Come on back and prove that you still deserve to have that you deserve to have gotten that win over uh, uh, over Cena at 28. That you deserve to have been the world heavyweight champion instead of just having it handed to you to promote a movie. Yeah, I you know, mean, I mean that, that, that's that's one of the things I don't like about Rock these days is the only time he comes back is just to promote some other damn movie. And if they give him a belt like they did, like what was it, year before last? That's even worse. I can see that to some degree. I do, I, I see that. But uh, yeah. with that said, I, I was I was pleased to see The Rock show up. Um, I had all sorts of things running around in my mind. Is he going to come back later? I'm, I'm sure you were probably jumping for, jumping for joy like is a straight-up mark there, man. Is he going to set up a promo, uh, future match with Brock Lesnar? But I think what this did was lead up oh, to Oh, God, please no. Please no. I, <laughs> I thought this like was leading to less more see of a potential better, Triple We'll H. get to that when we talk about Raw. Ronda Rousey. And, and of course, speaking of, yeah. uh, we were talking about this earlier, this brings us to Wyatt Taker. Yeah. And that match, I mean, I tell you right now, it was good to see the dead man back in top form. And he just basically, this was, this was the taker of all. I mean, this was like the taker of Mania 25, 26, whatever. I he mean, it, it really, he, 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 he looked fight. a lot healthier. Yes, yes, he did, without a doubt. He looked like he was ready to go. He didn't look sloppy. I mean, he still looked old, but he looked much more Well, I get, he just turned 50 like go. a couple of days ago, so... I agree. I agree with that, but I, I will well, say, I mean, for being 50... And for 50, he looks pretty damn good. Last so. year, but he looked like he's younger this year than he was last year when he lost to Brock. And, yeah, you know, and then that's still... That I, I still, you know, to this day, will never call that event WrestleMania except under extreme protest. To me, uh-huh. that's either Sunday Night Heat or it's just the date of the event. Okay. So, and then... <laughs> but so this I, match I was good. This, this I, match I, I was good. I like this match overall. I, I thought uh, Wyatt was strong. I thought Taker was great. It was good, again, like I said, seeing him in top form. I mean, Taker basically... Uh, this was, like, like I said, this was Taker going back to form. And, and I would love to see... If, if they try to tie these two characters together in some way, because it seems like any time you have a character who has some kind of crazy thing going on or he's su- somehow supernatural, he almost inevitably crosses paths with The Undertaker. And you saw when, Bri- when Bray Wyatt came in, his entrance was kind of weird. He had those, those guys come with him, and it almost put me in the mindset of WrestleMania 29 when Taker came down to the ring for his match with... CM Punk, where they had those those guys who were reaching up towards Undertaker from the bottom of the ramp as he's going in to face CM Punk, and, and I thought that was really kind of an interesting thing. I like how they played that off. I like the idea that that we could be seeing not necessarily the same kind of person as Taker, because he's very much clearly different. I've said this before. He's Charles Manson or Jake or whatever, but at the same time, if The Undertaker were ever to name a successor to his dark powers, quote-unquote, I could see it being Bray Wyatt. In fact, I could see that being why Bray Wyatt called out The Undertaker, because you notice one of the things he came out with was his own version of an urn. And yeah. I, don't mean the one, I don't mean the one that uh, was replaced by the rocking chair and then lit up by the Thunderbolt. I mean, like his second or third promo, he's got this red urn with a gold stripe on it, 
which has which has never been seen in any of the incarnations of the urn that we've seen with the Undertaker. I would love to see it be that Bray Wyatt. I mean, you could turn him face, and he would still be the exact and have me the exact same character, and the fans would still love him. I know for a fact it could be done. So, in other words, he's the Undertaker. They did it with Undertaker. I could see right. him. I could see him basically saying, "I called out the Undertaker, and I wanted to see if he still had it." Because I want to be his apprentice, I want to be his successor. Yeah, and and I think that I think that is interesting because as we both talked about the other day, and you pointed out last week, you don't see Bray Wyatt lose, you don't see the Undertaker losing at Mania. If anything, you see maybe a passing of the torch type thing at Survivor Series, which I did a little bit of research. Uh, I told you about, and it actually yeah, twenty five years to the day. Twenty five years to the day, Russell, uh, Survivor Series this year. Uh, is, uh, from when the Undertaker yeah. actually arrived at uh, WWF, WWE. Um, well, and, that was uh, his first canonical appearance because remember he did a couple yes. of dark matches he did a couple house in shows, The Undertaker, so yeah. But as The Undertaker, as his formal like origination date, it was that Survivor Series when Tid DiBiase brought him in yep. and he was yep. Undertaker. And the same day, uh, too, the exact same four. day. Yeah. Sunday, Sunday, uh, I'm sorry, Sunday, November 22nd, uh, 1992. 1990. No, 1990. 1990. I'm yeah. sorry, I don't know. Yeah, and interestingly enough, years. don't forget that Survivor Series, if memory serves right, was on a Thursday. I don't but know the that. The date I, is the I, same because remember there was a time when WWF, WWE, whatever you want to call it, where they didn't restrict their pay-per-views to Sundays. Really, I didn't even never realize that. Yeah, there were there were times where their pay-per-views weren't restricted to Sundays. A wow. lot of them were, but, I mean, Survivor Series, a couple of times, was not. I know that for a fact, because I know uh, if you look at 1994, that Survivor Series was not a Sunday. That was like that was either a Tuesday or a Wednesday, I wow. think, because that, uh, that was Taker versus Yokozuna in the casket match, and uh, that was the match where uh, Bob Backlund reclaimed the World Wrestling Federation Championship and lost it that Saturday to Diesel, remember? Okay, yep. Yeah, actually, now that sounds right. That yeah, sounds so, right. so, yeah, same date, different day. But, yeah, 25 years to the day, at least as far as the date goes. Yeah, so that, actually, would be a perfect, that would be a perfect way to, that would be a perfect denouement to Young Jacob's career. Survivor Series 1990 was Thanksgiving Day, uh, November 22nd at the Hartford. Which was a Thursday, yeah. Connecticut, so, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even realize they did that, but... Well, yeah, because Thursday, Thursday is typically the day you see for, for Thanksgiving, because then it leads right yeah. into Black Friday, yeah. Right, exactly. So uh, that, that's interesting there with that. I didn't realize that that was uh, ever anything they did. Do you think I've, re- I've, I've regained my professorship now? Yeah, no, you're definitely you're definitely <laughs> earning that back there, Mark. But, um, you know, all in all, the Undertaker getting the win, the match, was, the match was exactly what it needed to be. It gave Wyatt enough credibility in the match. It wasn't Undertaker just dominating him. He... Uh, he got what he needed to out of it, and uh, right, hopefully we'll get to see them in a casket match at Survivor Series. And yeah, you won that one, which gave you the five points over my one for the end of the night. Because in the next match, neither one of us picked the winner, obviously. Well, um, you 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 could which, actually take partial credit on this one. You I did say he was going to possibly because you cash did suggest in. you did suggest the possibility of the cash in. Yep. So you know you had so, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, which was a. Uh, it was a it was a great uh, beating that Roman Reigns took, and um, watching you know it was interesting because even the fans there you know anytime Roman Reigns would take the lead in the match, Brock you know the fans would boo, but when Brock Lesnar would take the lead, you'd hear them cheer. So when he was lighting Reigns up and hitting him with all sorts of nasty punches and hits, and again I, and I don't understand that ribs. because the fans were all over Roman over the last couple of months, 
And it was only after he got the Royal Rumble win that people really started to turn on him. And the first thing that went through my mind is, okay, well, all right, first off, this this recalls a little bit of The Rock, which is which Actually, is yeah. almost appropriate considering I, they're I related. Said I said that back after Rumble when he didn't win. I said they're going to start with the die, Roman die chance like they did with The they Rock. They didn't quite get to that point. And, and, no. and they've warmed up to him again since, but... A little bit, same, not to the not to the degree that they needed to to put the title on him if that's what they wanted to do. Well, but I don't it, I don't think they're going to put the belt on him right away anyway. No, they, it was a great match. It did exactly yeah. what it needed to do. Both men looked great in the yeah, match. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you uh, see the stills the on if you see the stills on on the on the comebacks from from Raw as they would come back from commercial uh, nope. the next night. I mean, one of the shots they keep showing is literally him. I think it's one of the Superman punches because I think he took like what two or three shots at him with that. He's, I think he and took one three of them, they Superman punches. a beautiful punches. shot of like Lesnar's head snapped off to one side. So it's, yeah, Lesnar did a great job following that, taking those hits, rolling under the ropes, selling it, but still looking strong. Reigns did what he needed to do to come make his comeback. But when it all came down to it. Uh, you know, Seth Rollins' music hit. He came down. He cashed it in. I still, while I think it was great that he did that, I still say there's a technicality. Because in the statement of which all I've been able to find, based on the Money in the Bank winner, they have the opportunity at any time, any night of time, any day, wherever it is, to challenge the champion, the champion for the title, right? Right. And, the champion. And this, this was he didn't challenge the champion. He didn't pin Brock Lesnar. He pinned Roman Reigns, which well, you know is going to be the that future. And that was, that was that an I interesting... Question. I question that. was an that. interesting... Well, I think, again... I know the way is, they're going to go with ego. it, and that's where they're going to sell it. I think this is ego on Brock's part, because we know Brock has an ego. Again, we talked about this last week. The only reason he got involved in wrestling, he didn't give a damn about wrestling. He even flat out said it. He was only there for the money, and I think this was him you know, flaunting his ego and saying, well, hey... If you want me to be in, in, in this company, you know, you've got to do it my way. I, I can't lose. I can't, you know, be in, in the position to lose after, you know, you bringing me in and, and me being the big deal that I am because I'm coming in from UFC. See, I, I you know, disagree and, and with I think, you. And I think it was an ego thing on him. See, and I disagree with that. And here's my perspective on that, is that I agree with you, the ego thing with Triple H and Vince earlier on in the night, like with the Sting setup and stuff. But with the Brock Lesnar piece, I don't know that it's an ego thing so much as it's a character thing. And it's the WWE has built this character up. I mean, if you list off the named accomplishments that Brock Lesnar has just in the WWE alone, ignoring any uh, preferential feelings or personal feelings you have towards his uh, his accomplishments, he has them all. He's won the Rumble. He's won oh, the, I'll, I'll the give Ring. Him that. I'll He's give won him the that. world title in like a year. He beat the Rock for that title. He's beat the Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell, or you know, he's beat. And that the was the Undert- other reason why I was very upset. He's with, beat with- Hogan. He's beat Triple H. He's beat every guy on the roster. So he. And showed- this, again, this goes back to why I was pissed off at him winning uh, last year over Taker because again, he's never lost to Taker. Flat right. out, this this would have been the perfect way for Taker to get a win back, and and it would have done really well. And again, you had to know if Lesnar was smart enough, he would have said, thank you, Vince, but I'd rather lose to Taker because I've beaten him every other time. Let's give him the win. And, and that, I think, would have probably impressed a lot because you remember the night after, every single fan, they were tearing into Lesnar because of it. But the day when he won... The fans refused to even give him the, the the dignity of booing him because they were so pissed. They were just in awe. They were just no, it wasn't even awe. Not, they, you could see it. People were pissed. 
I wasn't mad. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great because that added to that entire WWE thing they sold for so many years that anything can happen. And anything happened because you never think it's going to happen. But all in all, you look at Brock Lesnar. He destroyed Roman Reigns during this match. Seth Rollins comes out last minute, gets the uh, uh, curb stomp both on Brock and Roman Reigns, gets the pin. You, you know, he grabs the title and he walks up the ramp, and that's the end of the WrestleMania. And right, when you, when you think about why didn't he just what, pin Ro- why didn't he just pin Lesnar? He had him. And the only thing I can think of is it's an ego thing. Well, basically, year. Lesnar said, "No, I'm gonna... see, it's not an ego. It's not an ego thing in this case. This is a business decision. They've spent all this time and money investing in Brock Lesnar. They spent but all this Lesnar's time and money. Before. But yes, but they spent all this time and money on Lesnar ten years ago." All this money, and they lost a ton of money when he left and went and tried all his other things. They finally got him back to a position where he's going to stick with the company, and they can finally get some of that revenue back that they invested in him, some of that lost income that they lost in him from that 10-year contract they gave him that he got out of and went played for Minnesota, went for UFC and all that fun stuff that he did. Yeah. Now, they're finally having an opportunity to cash in on the money that they invested in building Brock Lesnar the brand, because Brock didn't build the brand. WWE built the brand. Heyman built the brand. Brock Lesnar's gimmick is to be a monster. WWE makes more money on Brock Lesnar looking like a monster than he does getting beat. And that and agree, you don't like him, all that stuff. He doesn't do benefits in some ways to the business. You need you can't have Seth Rollins come out and pin Brock Lesnar because he pins In the Roman way Reigns, that they did it, they, yes you could have for a they, simple reason because again, you mentioned it the other day, he's this slimy edge type character and if he gets yeah. in at a point where both of these guys are beat they're completely worn out. He curb stomps the both of them. It made more sense to pin Lesnar because that's what a slimy schmuck would do. See, and I look that at it the other been, way. That would have I look at him. I look at it the other way because here's the deal. Think he didn't even ping the champion. He's more of a slimy schmuck for pitting the guy that wasn't even champion, hitting Except Brock. The thing with, is that they, he, hit, he hits Brock with one more move. He Brock was just speared, right? So the, Brock was speared. Seth curb stomps Brock. Roman gets knocked down, and he gets curb stomped, right? So here's the thing. Now Brock gets tossed and rolled to the outside of the ring or whatever. Seth Rollins is now able to pin the non-champion for the title, which sets up a thing for everybody. Seth walks out the champion, and he's got a future as the champion. Well, to be Defending, fair, that's exactly chasing, what they stuff. did, but so then Roman I think Reigns, it would have made more sense. But here's the so thing. If you, if you have him beat Brock... Brock immediately has to, like, he has to be a big part of the show going forward because Brock just got pinned. What they've done is by not allowing Brock to be pinned, he can sit back on his not cashed in, not rematch situation, which we'll discuss about Raw in a little bit. But right. the thing is, he moved on from that, and now Brock was off to the side, and he's got a whole bag of tricks he can play later. But with the piece is, now Seth came in, he cost Roman his match, and he pinned Roman. So you can do a Seth Roman's thing, and if you think about this, right, remember earlier in, this pro- in the show, I talked about how you know, and, and this is kind of how I'm going to kind of close up the WrestleMania review. So, the idea behind WrestleMania, it's the granddaddy of the Super Bowl. It's the end of the season for the WWE. I've always seen the, 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 the idea beginning that of the it's season. like a story arc. So, this is like new story arcs, not a season. But it's, that's to me, a story arc season, it's the same. You know, it's a new chapter. Well, it's, a new, it's a new movie. You know, you had episode one last year, episode two this year. However you want to look at it, um, it's, to me, it's a season. So, you know, it's all, all year long. They build the, the season finale, which is WrestleMania. And it just so happens that the new season starts the next day. So, you know, last WrestleMania, Seth Rollins comes out. All year long, Seth Rollins was built up. He turned on Roman Reigns. 
earlier on in the season, prepped himself all the way up towards the the title match at WrestleMania. Um, you know, he won the uh, Money in the Bank. He had his ups and downs throughout that entire time. And at WrestleMania, he curb stomps the guy hit in a chair nine months ago, ten months, eleven months ago, and turned his back on the Shield. The thing that built him up to the place he was able to be at, you know, this lead guy on the show, and then he puts Roman down, wins the title from Roman, essentially winning the title from Roman Reigns. Didn't win the Rumble to get into that match, won a Money in the Bank nine months ago, and now he's sitting atop the WWE as the World Heavyweight Champion. So, that kind of is how I look at, I think it couldn't have ended any better. And the reason I say it couldn't have ended any better, let's take away the fact that Brock is a part-timer, let's assume Brock is a full-timer, right? It still looked good, because Seth walks out with so many potential feuds moving forward. He's now the thing is, I I saw it as like similar but different because again, if he had pinned Lesnar, then you got Lesnar chasing him for the rematch, which he's already doing. But then you also have Reigns chasing him, saying, "I never got my straight one-on-one match, which is what I was promised as a result of winning the Royal Rumble." Which is what's still and happening. That's anyway. what I think that. The, the, it, which it, they it, are it, doing, but the thing is, if they had done it with with Rollins pinning Lesnar, it would have made a little bit more sense. Because we know Lesnar's a part-timer. We know he was going to, uh, at, some, uh, at some point, he was going to be in a situation where he wasn't going to be fighting for a little while, which, again, we'll get into that when we talk about Raw. And I think, considering what they did on Raw, this would have this fit him being pinned by Rollins rather than, him pin, than, rather than Rollins pinning Reigns. Because it makes more sense. We're going to have to agree to disagree on that one because I look at it like this, and I, this is the last piece I'm going to say on that, because I, I get your points. Your points are all valid, and I, I totally get the, the frustration in the Brock Lesnar piece. That's that's definitely understandable from from your perspective. But I'm, I'm going to point this out, and it looks like this. You, you, you put Brock and Seth Rollins in the ring, physically looking. I just don't see, knowing the history of Brock Lesnar, knowing the history of Seth Rollins, one-on-one with no interference, Brock Lesnar is going to take Seth Rollins to Suplex City and beat the snot out of him. That's what's going to happen. That's, that's another problem with Brock, but we'll get into it, that. It's, it's, a, it's a problem. Raw. It's definitely a problem. I get that. But let's, let's just put that in perspective, right? Brock looks unbeatable. That's undeniable. He looks unbeatable. The thing is... By having Seth pin Roman, you now have that immediate feud, Seth and Roman, right? Because that's the hot thing you can ride with. Let's say Roman finds... Because I was a hater of Roman going into WrestleMania this year. I am now a supporter of Roman Reigns because he didn't win. Because now I feel like he can be built up correctly in a manner in which that he can take that title. He now has a vested interest in getting Seth Rollins. Seth beat him up, split up the shield, sent him on his way and cost him the title match. So, you know, I look at it like that. If Roman were to somehow get the title off of Seth Rollins, you can then do a Brock versus Reigns too, where Reigns already proved he can pretty much go toe to toe with Brock one to one. I can see them competing in a match that Brock that Brock could actually lose. So not allowing Brock to lose to Seth and being pinned even in a cheap manner, even in that dirty non clean style match, it 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 contains that credibility that Lesnar offers so that when he does lose, when he comes back for his rematch, or when he does drop, he picks the title up and then drops it to Roman, because at some point, that's what the plan is here. If the WWE can continue to ride, they're not going to give up on Reigns. They, uh, you know, they're going to give him some more time. They're going to try to refactor him and redesign him in a way that the fans can actually enjoy him. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about Monday Night Raw later and, and how that plays into it, but I think Roman has earned some fans' approval. While some don't, some still now approve of him because 
he took the du- he took the dive at Mania. He took the fall. And I think, you know, that smart fan like myself, you know, that, that knowledgeable fan, um, and, you know, not saying you're not one, obviously, because we know you're very, very knowledgeable and know the business, but I feel that it positions Roman to make a comeback and a drive where people are less likely to hate him. He can go silent now. He doesn't need to be doing all the talking. He can just hunt and hunt and hunt and he can do it because he was pinned he was cheated the authority put obstacle after obstacle in front of him he went to rumble he won rumble then the authority screwed him over by forcing him to wrestle daniel bryan daniel bryan couldn't get it done roman went to wrestlemania well guess what they didn't want roman champion they didn't want brock champion either so they pulled their they pulled their ace card they threw the ace card out there and seth walked out the champion. honestly i don't think they would have mattered they wouldn't have cared if uh, if brock had been champion or not because again i mean they were trying to keep Roman away from Brock because they thought he could win. Exactly. And, and, and he was their mercenary. So Brock you know, was their mercenary. And if you look at it, if you look at that whole situation, it definitely makes sense. So with the pieces in play, that was WrestleMania. Um, without going into more detail of the specific matches and stuff, I'm going to say that it was a success. I think it was a great closeout for, this, for the, the, the previous you know, years worth of pay-per-views, Raws, um, it took everything into place, and like like I said, with that whole Seth Roman thing, you know, it, it as soon as Seth and his face... Overall, it wasn't a bad in- show. There were a couple of things I didn't like, obviously. But oh, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you I mean, know, again, I don't, I mean, Sting, I don't Sting like Wyatt with- losing. I don't like Sting losing. I don't like Cena well, losing. Well, again, I was happy to see Wyatt go- well, take, the, take the, you know, the job in this one, because again, I, I think... The, the whole thing is it's going to be he's going to be trying to prove himself to the Undertaker. He says like I want to be I want to walk alongside you. That's basically him saying I want to be your successor. I mean I, yeah. I really see that as what that is. Again Triple H going over Sting, smacked of Eagle, and the fact they made it a no disqualification match that was out of the blue because that wasn't even announced on uh, on any of the Monday Night Raws that I'm aware of. So yeah. that was literally yeah. like last minute, and I think that was entirely done. As a Triple H ego thing, I really do think. Yeah. Again, that events. It was it was a great match. I it was a great show. It was a great way to end the season. So, um, moving on from WrestleMania, um, I want to just uh, I'm gonna close it up here for us, Mark. Uh, if you want to say something, I'm gonna let you say that now. As I get well, all I can say is this to all those wrestling fans out there: Good night out there, whatever you are. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you, Mark. Thank you for uh, for taking part in the call tonight. Uh, it's always nice to have you in for the uh, as the co-host here. I appreciate it. That's Mark, the smart Mark. Thank you very much. He's more knowledgeable than most that I know in the business, and he gives a, a unique, uh, very informative perspective. And there's not a single time he said something to me about wrestling that he can't justify and defend. So uh, I really respect that. I appreciate it. It's always great to hear from him and have him on the call, which he will be here every week. So uh, if you enjoyed that as much as I did, which I hope you did, um, listen back. We will be doing the uh, Raw Live next and uh, recording that, getting that out there for you guys. Um, I'll be linking that out on our Twitter, which is um, at the false finish um, at Twitter. So you can hit us up there. Um, follow us, please. We're, we're getting going. We're, we're climbing in followers every day. Um, uh, on top of that, you and can reach out to me we'll directly. Be on, uh, YouTube. Yeah, we're working through some technical difficulties with YouTube, but we're working on getting that out there. But um, you can also reach out to uh, to us directly if you want to reach out to us in email, ask any questions, suggest some things for future. Sh-
shows. Uh, you can reach out to us at the false. It's the false finish podcast at gmail.com. Again, the false finish podcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can find us here every week. We're, we'll be we'll be broadcasting to you guys, giving you the reviews. Uh, we have some top tens planned in the future. We also have uh, Mark in his exclusive segment. He will be running every week. It's uh, what was the name of that segment there, Mark? I'm calling it the Mark Effect. The Mark Effect. Folks, you're gonna get marked. So look forward to that. We'll be doing that during the Raw. We got the top ten next week. Uh, we're gonna be talking we're, for Raw. We're gonna be talking about the. T- I'm gonna be personally because wrestling is my favorite. Tag team wrestling is my favorite. So we're gonna be picking. I'm gonna be talking to you guys about the top ten WWE WWF tag teams in the history. I'm gonna run them down for you. Give you my insight. Get some perspective from Mark as I'm going through those. But um, look forward to having you guys there. Thank you again. Um, follow us at the False Finish. And hit us up at our email at thefalsefinishpodcast at gmail dot com. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Peace out. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.